Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 151. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Lisa Mitchell. The Australian singer-songwriter returns after six years with her brand new record, A Place to Fall Apart, which is out next week. In today's episode, we're speaking with Lisa about how she prepared for this new record, the sonic shift in her songwriting, and the pros of getting music recommendations from friends. Here we go. Our guest today is a brilliant singer-songwriter based in Melbourne or Nam. You may know her from Australian Idol all the way back in 2006, or you might know her more from her incredible output of work over the last 17 years, which includes records like Wonder, Bless This Mess, and Warriors. Next week, she returns with a brand new record entitled A Place to Fall Apart. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Lisa Mitchell. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Simon. <laughs> How are you today, Lisa? I'm good, yeah. I'm yeah, pretty excited to be finally talking about my new album. It feels like, you know, because of the pandemic, everything has, you know, been a bit stop and start. So, yeah. <laughs> That's very, very fair. It is, um, it is an exciting time. It has been uh, a little while between records for yourself. I think it was 2016 off the top of my head um, with the last full-length record. Yeah, it's wild. That feels like such a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it feels like a pre-pandemic, pre-Trump almost kind of world, a, like a different universe almost. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess obviously there there was that album um, at the time, Warriors, but it, it, yeah, it has been six years. What has been going on inside the world of Lisa Mitchell within that time? Mm. Well, um, I think probably one of the most significant things for me that I'm sure was one of those things that didn't really seem significant to anyone else around me. <laughs> but I made the I made quite a like a uh, conscious decision to just stop and just live in Melbourne or Nam and, you know, because I think when you are, I mean, so many people travel for work and I think it's just a very easy thing to just continue to move around and I just started feeling I was spending some time in Europe and London again and I, in about 2016, something like that, and I 
I think it got to like 2017 and I felt myself really just wanting to stay over there. And then as I went deeper into that possibility, I just felt this very important, deep, intuitive sense of like, no, 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 you know. And I guess like for me, it's probably my values came up. So my family is really important to me. Um, And even just, you know, even though I was born in the UK and my dad's Scottish, so I do have a, a kind of a slightly confused and, you know, that I'm very grateful for, um, you know, a couple of cultures, I guess, in my, in my being. Um, even though I have that with my dad and, and growing up um, since or until I was about four in the UK, I definitely feel most connected to this place, which is uh, Australia. So, um, yeah, I think I felt that, that that was a very significant th- thing for me the, the, to really decide to just come back here and, um, yeah, just stop and commit to being here, um, you know, and also to learn more about what it does, what, it, what, what this place is, like what the history of Melbourne and Nam is. And, yeah, there's a lot there when you start going back so yeah that was probably like the most significant yeah thing in the last five or six years was just yeah that's very very fair I did um I did read somewhere that that you yeah when you came back you did kind of jump into um I I don't want to say like classes or educational kind of purposes but yeah you did look into the history of the land of Australia, of our First Nations peoples and kind of, I guess, went and had a look back on, I guess, more of the history that maybe we don't always, uh, not acknowledge, but maybe acknowledge is the right word. Yeah, totally. That's right. Yeah, I I did some, uh, I mean, at uni there, it's called Indigenous Studies, so you know, specifically looking at history and politics, um, you know, that is relevant to the different peoples of um, so-called Australia. Um, And I think, you know, that was just, you know, stuff that I wish that uh, is just normal in schools and I'm sure it is more normal these days to just learn um, the the true history of colonization and what happened and the frontier wars and all of this stuff that just doesn't really get enough airtime. And so then you kind of grow up um, as a white person living in the colonized land, you know, without enough context really. Um, And I can see why, yeah, that there's so much racism um, and just, just lack, lack of, lack of understanding and, yeah, so, yeah, it was really obviously just super needed for me to just um, understand more of the history and, um, yeah, and then I think for me it where it took me was a sense of I realised how impoverished I was, you know, in a cultural sense. Like I realised, wow, like, um 
you know, actually, you know, I mean, you can't, like, it's incomparable in terms of the trauma that has happened to First Nations peoples here. But, you know, there's, there's, another, there's another type of, you know, impoverishment that has happened to the West, I feel, where we've lost our complexity and we've lost our languages as well. And it's incomparable and it's completely different. Um, but I think it, you know, is also really important um, because I, I, I think what I noticed was, um, you know, I was coming to, um, like I was working with Green Music Australia who are mainly a climate action, um, you know, not-for-profit uh, aimed at climate action and plastics uh, in the music industry. And we were running a workshop um, for, you know, centred on First Nations leadership in the music industry. And I was working with a couple of Yoda Yoda artists. And I think what I really felt in that setting was this feeling of like um, just like how much they were bringing to the table in terms of like just like spirituality and, and ways of being. And I just kind of felt like, damn, like what, what, like where's, where's my you know, and like, and I think this is the difficult thing too, is that so much emotional labor gets put on Indigenous people. Um, and I really felt that as well. And I kind of felt like I, and you know, maybe that's just my um, dream is that we all can, you know, as much as we can go into our own lineages and our own, you know, our own bodies as well and look for what it is that we can offer as well. Um, and because there is so much, you know, obviously like in Celtic lineages, there are so many stories that pertain to land and how to treat land and how to treat yourself and other people and, yeah, I really, I think that's something else that I noticed probably in myself was this hunger of like, oh, I want more teachings. Like I want more teaching. And I think that was something that I really envied um, with these First Nations artists and just, you know, writers that I would come across when I was studying. And, of course, like, you know, it's, um, you know, they've been through such, um, trauma and hardship um, and they continue, you know, they, it continues to be incredibly unjust in Australia. Um, so it's a different thing. But I think it's really, yeah, I think it's um, it's just a whole lot. It's just something that really uh, I think was very influential for me. Yeah. 100%. I feel... Um I feel like this new record, not that any of your previous work has ever been immature or, or whatever it may be, but this record does seem like a uh, an evolution for you. It, it does seem to stand out um, in terms of difference compared to your past records. Um, 
the record that we are talking about, sorry, I should mention, A Place to Fall Apart. It is coming out uh, later in April. But, yeah, this this record, it sounds like a, not to, to take a word you used before, but almost like a spiritual awakening or a new kind of, I'm, I want to say a new era of Lisa Mitchell. Thank you. For sure, yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that too. Did you find with the the topics we were just talking about that they influenced, I guess, uh, yeah, how you approach your songwriting now and I guess what you're also talking about or trying to convey in in your music? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm kind of at a place now where I am... Um, you know, there's that balance between understanding, you know, a context, you know, for example, what it means to be a white person living, and, you know, that's just one lens, like I'm Scottish and German is the other lens, and then, you know, what it means to be, um, like something that I think came up a lot for me was what does it mean to take up space as someone you know, that is not First Nations, you know, in this country. Um, And, you know, because Black Lives Matter was such a huge, amazing um, campaign, you know, had such a resurgence in 2020, I guess it was 2020. Um, I think that was something that a lot of people, you know, were thinking about. Um, We were thinking about identity and you know, how, how can you um, just finding that balance between uh, having, you know, respect for all voices and also being aware of your own internal biases that we have been conditioned with, whether we like it or not. Um, <laughs> but then also, you know, listening to, for me, how do I listen, how do I discern between my intuition and my conditioning you know so that's kind of like also a difficult thing that I've been thinking about a lot and I feel like now I'm kind of back at a place where I um you know I I love connecting with my Scottish ancestry I've been learning um Scottish Gaelic which is my great grandpa's language which has been really cool um so, I don't know, I think for me, I, I feel like I'm kind of back at a place of not feeling, I think for a while I really didn't want to speak at all. Um, I just wanted to learn and listen and I think that was really important um, for me. And, yeah, and now I'm kind of back at a place where, um, yeah, like I um, – I'm not, I don't feel so obsessed with not offending people and not getting it right. You know, I feel, I feel a little bit more relaxed in terms of, you know, (laughs) everyone's learning, I'm trying, everyone's trying because I think, you know, you can kind of go down, like with anything, you can go down the the path of paralysis where you're not, you know, sharing at all because you don't want to get it wrong you don't want to offend someone and I, I think, um, yeah, I can say that that also doesn't help anyone <laughs> either. So, yeah. 
that yeah no that's very fair i feel that um uh i think kind of touching on what you said right at the start is that the last two years um a number of people have used it for like self self sorry self growth (laughs) um and kind of being a little bit more introspective of, of themselves and learning about themselves i know that um the record is called A Place to Fall Apart and there's also a track uh, in the second half of the record called Supporting Your Unraveling, which I feel also is kind of talking about that uh, unlearning and relearning of of kind of, yeah, of things in the mind. Um, I guess when, when you're approaching something like that and trying to put it into music, trying to put it to chords or melodies or things like that, how do you approach that in wanting to I know you just said you're not wanting to offend anyone which is good (laughs) and not kind of like have that care but also um I guess wanting to find that perfect line of you know giving advice but not being preachy but also you know trying to straddle that line of saying your piece and and doing it that way yeah well my approach um yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think, you know, with that song, it just felt so cathartic. And so, the you know, the chords and the tempo and the rhythm, like nothing changed from right from the first time I ever played it. So I really trust that. Like that just always, you know, it just seems like a good sign for me. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that kind of always just was part of the, the structure. And, um, yeah, and then in terms of the content, you know, yeah, there's like the second verse is, um, you know, there's no word for nature in the language, which I read this article and that just broke me. I was just like, oh, like they don't even need a word for nature because there's, they are nature. Like they, they're, 
why would you need to, and, you know, this is just my interpretation of it, but why would you need to describe something that is you? There's never, they just don't have a need to, for a separate, it's not separate from them, so they never need to actually mention it. Um, and I think for me, you know, yeah, that just was such a gorgeous, um, you know, yeah, just worldview. And, you know, I suppose it, it raised, you know, questions of if in the West, if we had a more integrated sense of people and land, if we would feel the consequences of plastic or of fossil fuels more, you know, if we, if, if the actual way of being, way of thinking, if the language actually was embedded with, um, yeah, that we are the same thing, if we could even bring ourselves to, yeah, even have these, make these decisions to frack or to, you know, create plastics and use plastics and, um, yeah, but I think, you know, I like in the answer to your question, I think, you know, yeah, it's probably one of the more political songs on the album. And um, I think I, yeah, it's it's very much about, you know, understanding identity and even just thinking about it, considering it at all. And um yeah I think it's just yeah it kind of just is what it is and it kind of was what I was thinking at that time and um yeah I think I'm not too I'm not too worried about it like I said before I, I definitely um am just you know yeah just sharing some thoughts and I'm not kind of too worried about yeah people getting offended or um but yeah I'm, but I'm also curious I'm also kind of just like you know what, <laughs> what do people think about it what does it bring up for people and um yeah so it is I'm I'm curious about that one about how it will be received it is a th- that track but also the record itself is um Sonically, sonically, it's very elegant. I feel it's very beautiful. I've felt, um, I feel like for, for the podcast, we do obviously listen to all our guests' music in, in preparation. And I found myself returning to this, uh, record kind of late at night, glass of red wine kind of record. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I guess sonically, it seems a bit more sparse as well. It seems a lot more kind of open. Um, and I'm wondering whether that was intentional. I know you worked with Tom from Big Scary on the record. Um, and yeah, I guess whether that was something you guys discussed or whether it just kind of naturally happened that it was more of an open, um, kind of, uh, experience audibly. Yeah. The, the record, um, was very much based around, um, my band. So, the, the kind of the core band is Jessie L. Warren, who's a singer-songwriter in her own right, and um, also goes Hachiku, and Kishore Ryan, who's the drummer, and he's kind of known for his work in Otto Uto, Kids Sam, and Less Esk. And 
yeah, they're both just very strange, beautiful players. And I loved that. And that's really why I chose them. And, um, yeah, I just, I just really appreciate both of them and how they think and how they are in life. And so the album was very much just us jamming every Wednesday for basically all of 2018, 2019, maybe at least most of 2018. And so we just kind of got into this rhythm and, and our friendship kind of just grew and we, I suppose, gave each other, I think, the best gift you can give an album, which is the limitation of each other. Like we only had, you know, that was it. That was the palette. Um, drum space and, you know, guitar or piano. And... So the core of it is really us. And I think that is maybe why it's quite open because what we did have was, you know, we had the trance of a lot of the rhythms are three, four, picking patterns and Kish would match it. So we would really enjoy making these long, and, you know, I kind of always would have feeling of how long I wanted things before I kind of got to them. But, Jess and Kish were just monumental in terms of decisions that we made in the arrangements and changes and, you know, um, yeah. So I think in terms of it feeling open, I would say it's probably literally because we do, it was just the three of us. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, we added like later on, I, I wanted to illustrate the Celtic connection. So I had the Ulian Pipes player where found in Melbourne and now and we and got him into the studio um, which are these beautiful Irish pipes they're kind of like bad pipes but they're in my opinion sound a lot more beautiful <laughs> and strange and dreadful. yeah yeah so um yeah so yeah I think maybe that's why it feels more open no, that's very cool. It is, um, as I said, it is a gorgeous sounding record. Uh, and you are, I know that there was, I think that there was two or three maybe um, single launches last year for Zombie, but you are taking the album out on the road in across May, June and July. Uh, it seems like all major cities, some rural cities, uh, rural towns as well. How, uh, I guess, how are you feeling about, yeah, getting back out on the road and being able to play like a proper tour? Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling great about it. I'm very excited. Would just love to not get COVID like in the middle of it. That'd be great. Um, but yeah. yeah, so but no, like I I just feel excited. We're just starting to rehearse again, so I miss them. I miss my band. <laughs> we kind of created something well together, so I really miss them. So I'm excited, and you know, we live close to each other, but you know what it's like life is so busy you just unless you're actually plugged in doing stuff together you just don't see each other so we um yeah we're just starting to rehearse again which is really fun um yeah and again like what I think you know this album most of it was recorded live um because it that's kind of where it came from and I I really wanted to showcase that the imperfection of the three of us playing live and the magic, you know, that is live music. You know, anyone can program a drum beat perfectly 
that, you know, to to play live together is so magical um, and it's such a story of our friendship and of the songs and so, yeah, I think this album really shines live so I'm excited to share it. (laughs) It's very exciting. Can, um, I guess with that new band set up, can people expect reworked or maybe rearranged versions of like older older tracks from um, previous records? Absolutely, yeah. We're going to be, yeah, for sure playing some old favourites as well. Um, and yeah, and that's right. Every, you know, because this, this is a new band, we will definitely get some slightly, you know, new flavours on old stuff as well. <laughs> no, that's very exciting. I know that um, even in mentioning today that uh, we were going to be having you on the podcast, I know there were quite a few people uh, sharing excitement that uh, Lisa Mitchell was back and with new music. So yeah. I think that you'll find a lot of people, um, uh, yeah, just excited to, to see you back on the road and back uh, in, in the music stratosphere. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I'm excited too. It'd be lovely just to reconnect. I mean, you know, social media has been pretty amazing to try and stay slightly connected with my audience. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing like actually having a chat to people after the show. 100%. We, um, we recently spoke to Josh Pike about, the, I guess, the pros and cons of both doing like a live stream as an artist um, as yourself and then being able to go and see a gig or be part of a gig and it's just the world's apart in the connection totally it's just it's wild isn't it and like I feel so grateful that we do have these little magical you know portals between each other during a pandemic but then also (laughs) yeah it is just absolutely incomparable I agree so it's um it's yeah we can't survive on it so I'm excited exactly the sooner we can get back to gigs as per normal and as you said not uh get covid mid tour or mid show then that the better um (laughs) yeah fingers crossed (laughs) uh lisa we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to if there's any um album record single ep whatever it may be that's currently kind of uh taking your fancy at the moment i am i'm a big fan of rachel samani She's a an Italian Scottish um, folk singer songwriter. Um, yeah, and she's got a an EP, her latest EP, I think it was maybe end of last year, called Swallow Me. I think it's called. Um, yeah, I've been loving loving her writing. That's very cool. Where um whereabouts do you find your new music, or where do you find um your I guess what you currently listening what you currently listen to. Um, well, that's a good example. Like, I think I, I had, because Rachel had a huge song called Lay My Heart a few, like, you know, nearly 10 years ago. And I remember, and but the reason that I started, that I found her more, her recent stuff was that we had, we held an open mic amongst our friends. We'll often hold a little open mic night. And so anyone can just get up and read a poem or sing a song or whatever or do a dance <laughs> or whatever you want. Um, and it's really fun. If you've ever been to Confess, it's kind of like an open stage where everyone can just get up. And it's not about being good. It's just about sharing. Um, 
and our friend Patch sang her song, Learn My Heart, and we all sang the kind of harmonies and stuff. And um, it was such a moment. We were, like, on the hill at our old property where we used to live, and there was, like, a fire and it was dark and there was this um, uh, lampshade that, like, this big old kind of, um, you know, it was, like, an old classic lampshade that was just lit up in the darkness right next to Patch <laughs> and there's like, a beautiful song and, like, I think everyone just went home and just put this song on repeat. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how I found music. So, I, yeah, so sometimes I, I, I find music just through my friends playing playing them. Um, but then also, you know, got to love Discover Weekly on Spotify. <laughs> I, you know, like I, yeah, I, I'm pretty surprised about, you know, how good that algorithm can be. Um, and yeah yeah that's my kind of way yeah it definitely uh sometimes algorithms can be fantastic in finding like what they think you like but sometimes there's nothing like actual people's recommendations or their own likes to kind of hear something and go yeah that's cool or i'm into that yeah 100 it's the best feeling isn't it when you find out that one of your favorite artists album and it's just like oh I can't wait to like lose myself <laughs> yeah. 100% how about you how do you um oh that's a good question um mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said about the algorithm because there's always some kind of like if you like this you might like these um but yeah records like record stores or going into places friends um also this uh, job or role I feel very blessed to have because yes. like even um asking like some of my favorite artists who they listen to allows me to then go cool and then go check out these bands myself so um yeah. if anything yeah. it's just a very selfish hobby that I have <laughs> that's cool yeah no that I can imagine that would yeah you would get so many recommendations it is. Um, I've, yes, I've been very lucky with some of the artists we've been able to be, be exposed to uh, in, in that regard. But um, Lisa, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate it. And thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Lisa Mitchell for her time. A Place to Fall Apart is out April 22nd and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to pre-order the record or catch her on tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Nat at the PR Files for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 